Mini episode 1082 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge review of House of Cards Season 6. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with our top five points of interest for the final season of the show that put Netflix dramas on the map. Number five, the big obstacle for new president Claire Underwood comes in the form of the Shepard siblings, a soap opera-infused stand-in for the Koch brothers. These billionaires had forged some type of arrangement with Frank prior to his passing, are suspected by Claire of having him killed, and are trying to exert control over Claire. Like Claire, they have obvious power in some ways and can be leveraged in others, and the cat-and-mouse game between them is compelling, particularly when it involves people who hate them both, like Tom Hammerschmidt and Doug Stamper. While the angle seems a bit contrived because the Shepherds weren't on the canvas for the previous seasons, it does deliver some of the best entertainment of the season. Number four. Vice President Mark Usher manages to be the submissive in not only his professional relationship with Claire, but also his personal one with Annette Shepard. Mark is kind of a sad sack, never as suave and in control as he thinks he is with his boss and his mistress. Seeing him try to walk the tightrope in his loyalties is an exercise in futility that is fun to watch simply because he's such a douche. Number three. The usual background players continue to add spice to the stew, such as President Petroff, Kathy Durant, Tom Hammerschmidt, Jane Davis, and Seth Grayson. Of course, a misogynist like Petroff is going to test Claire, so that angle is a given. Kathy actually outliving Frank and reemerging as a thorn in Claire's side was certainly unexpected. Tom is as obsessed as always with the prospect of bringing down the Underwoods. Jane continues her furtive movements in the shadows as one of the more perplexing characters on the show. And Seth, returning to his roots as an antagonist operative to Claire, shifts his loyalties to the Shepherds. The depth of the character roster continues to be one of the program's biggest strengths. Number two, Doug Stamper is back and as creepy as ever. This guy, man, just wow. Notwithstanding being Frank's biggest bitch, giving up his chief of staff job that meant everything to him, and even copping to a murder that Frank committed, his point of obsession continues to be utter blind servitude to what he considers to be the legacy of his old boss. On a show full of people who are pathetic in various ways, Doug's whole approach to life manages to be worse than just about anyone else's. Number one, for a show supposedly now built around Claire, an absent Frank dominated the proceedings to a shocking and disconcerting degree. Because of Kevin Spacey's misconduct issues, Frank Underwood was expelled abruptly from the show in a way that was bound to feel jarring, even in a way that everyone would have anticipated. But the apparent decision from there to turn the season into a meta-commentary on how much the actor and the character were missed was fascinating, albeit disappointing. Perhaps that void was going to be front and center no matter what, and the writers were just playing the hand they were dealt the best they could, but it really didn't feel that way. The mystery about how Frank really perished, and the decision to drag out the reveal of the truth, seemed to make his absence all the more jarring.
Additionally, the plethora of unanswered questions at the end was highly unsatisfying. As such, this is one of the weaker seasons of House of Cards, although again, in fairness, it was going to be highly unlikely to be one of the best ones, with Frank having to be written out abruptly off canvas. It's still worth seeing if only to wrap up the story, and it's certainly not without its moments, but it feels like it could have been much more than it was. Thank you for tuning into this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all Clear Channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio. Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 